Hi, I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. And you're listening to Friends with Elephants. A show for the new somebody... A show for the cool nerd in you. Don't, don't, don't take my line. Maybe we, maybe we should leave that in. Don't take my line. A show for the cool nerd in you. A show for the cool nerd in you. I know the line. Do you? (sighs) A show for you and the nerd. That was what basically you were going to (laughs) say. It's season two, episode 12. You should have taken my line on that one. Ah, I totally should have taken your line. But you know what? Whatever. I don't care. I don't care. What if I took all your lines? What if I introduce the top three turf war we're about to do? No. (laughs) Get away from my lines. (laughs) Quick shout out this week uh, goes to Arata114. He left us a note. Where's Arata114 from? The US of A. Man, we got a lot of fun US people listening to our podcast. So thank you so much, Arata. And if uh, you take the time and actually leave us a review, your name could be popping up at the top of this. Remember, it's a bribe. (laughs) It's It's time. time. No, no. Yes. No. You're missing your lines all over the place. No. Ugh, fine. It's time for a top three turf war. Ivana. Okay, you can tell us what we're doing today. All right. We are battling top three multi-narrative plots. And I'm going to lay down for you what that means exactly. We've yes, got, please, because I don't understand. We've got Mother's Day, the movie, opening up this upcoming... Friday, your upcoming Friday. Yeah, we've 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 traded. We're finally ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of talking about your past, we're now going to talk about your future. And if you've seen Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, I'm sure there was some sort of other Christmas one. Love Actually. No, no, no. I'm I'm specifically talking about Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve because this is the exact same thing. They're taking another day. And giving you another day. It's Gary Marshall, the guy who did Pretty Woman. And apparently he's just obsessed with holidays now. Oh, did he do Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve he as well? He did. So this is just now, mm. now it's Mother's Day. I, I've never really got into, um, what's that movie called? Mother's Day? No, Pretty Lady. No, the one with uh, Julia Roberts. Pretty Woman. Yeah, Pretty Woman. That's it. I, never, I, I don't like it. I don't know why everybody's obsessed with that movie. I think it's a bad movie. That's okay. It's it's. I mean, I don't think it's the greatest. I think it's fun. I don't think most it's... people seem to think it's the greatest. Anyway, that this is sideline tangent. Side beside the point. Since Mother's Day, opening up this upcoming Friday, um, is a multi-narrative plot movie. We thought it's time to take a look at other multi-narrative plot movies. It's like when there's six different stories coming all sort of interweaving into one story and they all sometimes connect. It's what it's like that. Yeah. It's definitely one of those. Maybe not every single story connects with every story, but they're all connected in some way or another. Uh, usually you can tell that this is the kind of film it is because there's a bunch of stars in it. And, and there are a bunch of stars in this one. You've got, Jennifer Aniston. You got Julia Roberts. Put those two in a movie together. Magic. 
It's actually going to be awful. I, I I have no faith in this film. I'm not going to lie to you. I do not want to see this movie <laughs> at all. Like at Even a 0%. Slightly. I do know, however, that uh, Blake's mom is super stoked to see it. I don't even know if she knows that it's coming, but this is her jam. This is the kind of movie that she wants to watch. We should get her on the podcast. Yeah, she should do a post-movie review. That would that would be funny. The problem that is would be funny. She has a great voice, actually. Sometimes she talks, and I think, oh gosh, I wish I had that kind of voice. You've got a good voice too. Don't don't Not sell like yourself her. short. Not like her. I mean, well, we'll get her on this podcast. Does she, does she have a multi-award winning podcast? Do we? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh multi-narrative plots what is your number three movie i'm starting this off with a film that i watched growing up called go and go is basically like it's like a party druggy uh Big breakfast clubby feeling kind of movie. Yeah, it is kind of like Breakfast Club meets a drug movie. Yeah. But not like a train spotting drug movie, more like Blow. Or like a super bad. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, except m- serious, not, it's not a comedy. I, you know what? I consider there's, that there's one. There's comedic parts to that film. You know, it's it's got a lot going on. It all takes place over the course of one night. Some some people are in Vegas. Some people are at a rave. The, one of them realizes that they can sell over-the-counter uh, cough medicine, and people will be like, I can feel this. Like, it's it's very trippy movie i love the soundtrack sarah Pauly's in it um you've got katie holmes uh timothy oliphant what, what was the guy from party of five that every girl loved scott wolf oh yeah he's in he it he was in that so you know it's got one of those really really familiar casts and i just had a a lot of fun with that when i was growing up and i've revisited it Many, many times. See, I saw it and I remember I really liked it, but I haven't really revisited it. So it didn't quite make my list. I should revisit it because I don't know if it it would. Maybe, maybe I've changed. Yeah, you never know. I didn't watch it before I I did this uh, list today. I didn't like rewatch too many of the ones that are on my list either. Uh, My number three is Contagion. Contagion. Yeah. I was really surprised at how much I liked that movie. I thought that uh, it for a multi-narrative plot, it really... I don't like these movies. I should like start off by saying that as a general rule, the second I see multi-narrative plot or just too many lead characters, I think, uh-oh, here's a story that's going to be underbaked on all fronts. And I thought that contagion was actually a little bit different. And I think that it was a little bit different because of the fact that, uh, in some ways the contagion was the story that you were following. And so you saw different windows into how, uh, this virus came about and killed all these yeah, people. Yeah, I'll buy that. that kind of I'll, I'll totally buy that. That uh, that movie was really surprised, and you know that was I think that was Soderbergh's last film, Steven Soderbergh, uh, before he said he was like giving up on Hollywood forever. But great cast, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, 
who's not in it very long, but no. just fantastic. But fantastic. And and I mean, Matt Damon was amazing in it. He doesn't often play, you know, just a dad character. And I thought he did a really good job. Um, and the and the other thing for me that was really cool about this movie is just knowing that so many people who work in um oh I forget the the organization the CDC I want to say or something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. This could that could Center be Center for Disease Control. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, they said that I know this that is, from the strain. Hmm. I haven't started watching it. We got to put that on our list. That should be on the list for sure. Um, but. I, th- a lot of people from the CDC said, you know what, this is how an ab- outbreak happens. And it's a very true to life depiction of what could happen in our world with these superbugs that are coming up every year. And and to me, it's kind of a glimpse into our potential futures. So I, I really like this movie. Yeah, I, I, I'm impressed. It's kind of like a sci-fi film, but it's also a heavy drama. And mm. yeah, really impressed. That's I'm, I'm glad that made your list. That might make our, our top three. Yay. I'm just saying. Um I'm I'm guessing that we both have this one on our list, but I don't know. My number two, Pulp Fiction. It's on my list. It's on your list. But not at number not two. Not at number two. Okay, well, that narrows things down. Pulp Fiction <laughs> is, it is like up there, top three Tarantino for me. I think it's number two. I think it's only behind, because I really like Reservoir Dogs. I really, Reservoir Dogs is my number one Tarantino. Yeah, I think for me too. He's one of those guys that, when you take the budget away from him, the Does story better. just comes out because he creates really cool characters. But then when you give him cool characters and lots of money, I feel like the story kind of flattens out. Yeah, he just kind of puts more money onto the screen and less into actors' pockets. Because let's face it, any actor would just die to be like, yeah, I'll be in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Sure, yeah, yeah. You're only doing so many of these left. You keep saying you're going to do one more and then you're done. Like... I want to be in that movie for sure. Absolutely. And I'd want to be in one with a slightly less of a budget, similar to uh, Pulp Fiction, which is one of like, I think the most well-constructed multi-narrative plots. Such an interesting multi-narrative plot because, you know, some of the stories match up. Almost all of them do in some way or another. I mean, this is the film that, you know, reinv- let's 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 wait till you it comes back to number one for you, because obviously that's where it is. What's your number two? My number two is four rooms. Have you oh, ever seen there's it? another that's another Tarantino. Uh, he, he was involved. He was involved. He yeah. he did not direct it. He didn't write I think it. He, I don't he wrote think. one of the four stories. Yes, he did. He wrote one of the stories. Um, I love this movie. I saw it as a kid. It was uh, just it blew me away, really. I did, when I saw it, I was quite young, so I knew that I wasn't really understanding all the different levels in the movie, but I was still so entertained. And Tim Roth was unbelievable. He is so good. As so good. I mean, a character performance like no other. And and Madonna as a witch was pretty darn cool as well. <laughs> and you do I, get to I, see her boobs. I genuinely find that movie just so entertaining. Yeah, it's just super... Under- Anto- Antonio Banderas in his like... How, what's his name? Antonio Banderas. I hope that's how it's pronounced. I don't know how he... But that's how I, I always just it. say Banderas. No, you have to do but the, you, you have to you roll the your R. R. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just... I really thought it was great. And this one, actually, it is four interlocking tales, all that take place on New Year's Eve. So... 
maybe New Year's Eve should have done this one. New Year's Eve can suck it. Yeah. Four rooms, the original New Year's Eve. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I, I I'm not gonna fault you for that. It's it's a fun movie. Um. What's your number so, one? So my number one isn't on your list. No. My number one is Magnolia. Okay, so full disclosure, I saw Magnolia, and it is on a bunch of lists as uh, the top multi-narrative plot. I just didn't really remember it except for the frogs. So I really actually want to know why is it the best? Because can you just remind me about what happened in this movie? So this film is ultimately about family, and it's about this massively rich man who connects all of these people uh, in this film in some strange way. And an event kind of changes and cements the next chapter of all of these characters' lives when these frogs fall out of the sky. So it's this turning point. They kind of play it up like it's fate, but it's also very random. Because who the hell could have called that? That's just crazy. And the destruction that some of these frogs do actually, you know, some of these characters almost die. Yeah, I mean. Because frogs are falling out of the sky. Think about the reality of frogs falling out of the sky. Yeah, terrifying. Be tons it's of like, destruction. Like hail destroys things. These are living creatures that weigh more than hail. They're bullfrogs. That's true. I just, I don't know how much frogs weigh in comparison to blocks of ice. I feel like if you had a fish thrown at you, it would be the same kind of feeling as if you had a frog thrown at you. Yeah, I would agree with that. So that would, you can imagine. So why is it the best, though? Why does this one stand out? Why is it better than Pulp Fiction? So I love the story of Pulp Fiction, but I really feel for the characters in Magnolia. So it comes down to feeling, as most of the movies that I watch do, um, I love how angry Tom Cruise is. I love how he never lets that go and, and until this this scene at the end of the film where he finally lets it go but he's he's so angry at his at his father um and it's just a shocking moment where you're like that is even intertwined with all of this um you know you get Philip Seymour Hoffman just one of his best best films he portrays this nurse who's just trying to make a, an old man comfortable before he dies um, you get William H. Macy as this man who's gay and trying to find his place. And all he wants is the bartender behind the bar. And he thinks if he gets braces because he has braces that they'll connect or the, like there's all these flawed people. And not to say the Pulp Fiction doesn't have a number of flawed people. Of course it does. It's different though. You're not meant to sympathize or empathize with the Pulp Fiction characters. They're cool, not necessarily reflections of you. That's right. And I, and I also find the film utterly rewatchable. Every time I watch it, I get something different out of it. There is a crazy scene where this one girl is getting is was abused by her father or her i can't quite recall her father or her uncle or somebody but it's like bad and she can't she can't function anymore so she's on drugs and she meets this lovely um 
John C. Riley police officer who's just like, don't do that. That's not good. And then they kind of fall in love. And I, there's just everything changes for all of these characters inside of a couple of days. And I just I, I love it. I think it's I, I just love that film so much. I wish that right now this was actually a, a podcast that we also filmed as video and put up on YouTube because your face just there was pretty amazing. What would it look like? I don't know. You had this far away look in your eyes and this like half smile and, and you were very reminiscent and it's almost kind of like what you imagine when you see movies like stand by me and you hear the uh, voiceover in the, at the end where he's like, I learned many lessons that summer. <laughs> like that's that your face was that face. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I, I just, I think it's funny. I think it's heartbreaking. And it's just a a day in the life of these people that after you watch it, you are different. And it's, I, I think it's Paul Anderson. And he's just like, what a great director that director is. You I know? agree. Like, like, you could say, I mean, Boogie Nights didn't make our list, but I guess it's not as interweaving. I no, guess it I don't, somewhat is. I, I don't think it. Boogie Nights has multiple lead characters, but it's not multiple different storylines. Right. They're all feeding into the same thing. Yeah. Making a movie. I And I thought about that for Requiem for a Dream as well, but I yeah, don't. Yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson was, was the director. I don't think that Requiem for a Dream counts as a multi-narrative plot because, again, it's really just one story. There's just multiple characters. So uh, the in these cases... These are all multiple stories. So I think that that's why I'm really sad that we aren't about to make a, a top four turf war. Well, we've never done that before. I know. It makes me sad. No, don't be sad. I just, you know, I really want to allow four of these movies into the list. Clearly, I have zero love for Go at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, not that I dislike it for, in any way, but I just don't think it's like the rest of them. Okay, so tell me Pulp Fiction again. Why is that number one? So Pulp Fiction for me is number one just because I think that it's so brilliantly written and it is so entertaining. And uh, something that I originally watched as a child and like I remember I was in, I want to say high school and I had seen the movie a whole bunch as a child, like many, many times over. My parents let me watch whatever I wanted. Yep, they sure did. And uh, I never understood the rape scene like I, because I'm a kid. So I just don't understand what's happening there. Right. As a child, you can watch the rape scene with the leather face guy and you just don't know that it's a rape scene. You just think, oh, my gosh, there's a, a scary man in a mask who's like hurting the other man. But you don't know how you think he's just being mean. Right. And then I remember in, in high school hearing like my guy friends talk about how crazy of, of a rape scene that was. And I was like, what rape scene? So then I, of course, revisited the movie and there it was. And I just, I don't know. I, I've seen this movie so many times and every time I, I learned something new. One of the latest rewatchings for me, really, Bruce Willis stood out. Whereas before... He's, he I, is fantastic in that film. Originally, I didn't really get the brilliance of his whole storyline. I was like, oh, this is the kind of shitty storyline. But then when you get older, you realize how important and how great that storyline was. And I just think that every single storyline um, brings something new to the movie. I think it's really interesting how everything interconnects because it's not fully interconnected. It, it's kind of like 
one story might be interlocked interconnected with two others but then another story is interconnected with only one and, and because the timeline is out of place you may not find out how connected they are until the near the end of the film and that's another thing is that i i really am always impressed with these uh movies that don't go in sequence because i think it takes a really like creative and smart mind to see how can you place all this together and i just think that that's the thing is that pulp fiction fits together like a puzzle piece in a way that i can't imagine i think you're right magnolia had what? better characters and was more relatable pulp fiction is not that movie and it's not trying to be that movie pulp fiction no, is all about it, it being wants to be its own thing cool like it's yeah. cool and like well and that's tarantino that's the one thing that always busts my balls about tarantino he's just his movies have to be cool. If they're not cool, he's doing things wrong. And quite frankly, Tarantino, the movies you love, they're not the cool movies. Nobody's going to Sonny Chibo movies and going, oh, man, these are the cool movies. Like, I agree. You, they're niche movies. And I think that in a lot of ways, things that I love about Tarantino and the reason why I think early Tarantino hits home for most people is that... Uh, Back at that time, he didn't have the budget to just be cool. So he had to go beyond cool. But in this this one, he had more budget. And the cool factor came from the clever way that he put these four stories together. So I will concede that I, I think that... No, I think Pulp Fiction should be number one. See, I think that Magnolia should be number one. No, no, no. We both have Pulp Fiction in our top three. I know, but... and. I really it, haven't. And it is stunningly beautiful. We both agree. To be fair, we both have it pretty close to number one. If it was my number three, I wouldn't give up so easily. But I think Pulp Fiction number one and Magnolia two. Okay, I'm okay with that. Now, so what now it's a hard, hard one. I feel like for number three, it should either be Four Rooms or Contagion. I don't want it to be four rooms because we already got a Tarantino in there. Okay, fair enough. I'm and good with I'm good with Contagion. It's also different. I, I actually like Contagion being in there over Go because Contagion adds a sci-fi element and it's it's a damn fine film. It's a damn fine so film. So I I be okay with having It's a Contagion. better film than Four Rooms. Four it's rooms, also a better room than Go. I I honestly think Go is like the teenage Pulp Fiction. Yeah, like it is. It is. It's the teenage <laughs> so. Pulp Fiction. It's super underrated. Like, if you've never seen it and you're listening to this, I actually do recommend you go out and see it. But it's not like cinematic gold or anything. You're going to have a lot of fun. And you're going to be That's like, right. wow, this movie was really underrated. It actually was a lot better than I would have thought for something made in the mid-90s as, like, the vehicle for uh, Katie mean, Holmes to be edgy and not on Dawson's Creek. Yes. And Doug Lyman, who directs, go, I, I just have to plug this because we never get chance this. If you can only watch one Doug Lyman movie this year, do not make it go. Please go out and see Edge of Tomorrow. I hate that nobody saw this movie. It, I saw it. I liked it. Because it, it's amazing. I don't know that it's like the greatest thing I've ever seen, but it's good. It's, it's very good. It's a, a solid very film. very good sci-fi film. I, I was super impressed with Tom Cruise. Like, I was like, oh, wow, you're not as awful as I remember. Like, totally. you did fully come back. Everybody thought that movie was going to blow because Tom Cruise doing an action movie, but... Man, also, that Emily movie Blunt, was great. man. Emily Blunt. She's fantastic. So... So when you look at it this way, the guy who did go did freaking Edge of Tomorrow. That's just 
awesome. That's versatility you never even knew could exist. He makes good movies. I don't think that I, when I hear his name, I know that I'm going to see something solid. All right. Number three, Contagion. Contagion. Number two, Magnolia. And the number one multi-narrative plot movie is Pulp Fiction. It was a good list. I'm I'm now like in such a different mindset. I, 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 I've got to just turn it off. Just shut her down, Jay. Just <laughs> shut her down. Tech Tuck. That was a bad one. No, that wasn't bad. That was bad. We need to get on getting our like produced versions of these segment openers. Look, our audience loves our little intros. Do they? Clearly they haven't written in and said get new ones. So today we have a very cool story uh, and a video that you can check out down below. Uh, essentially, this company has created a device that is implanted into this dude's head like actually into his brain. And yeah, then that it's crazy. It's crazy. He's a cyborg when you really think about it. Um, and that then you can actually connect into a computer through the power of this program that they created. And the fact that he now literally has metal going into his brain, he's able to move his hands simply by thinking about it. Um, now, of course it isn't that simple. And it's not, like really sophisticated movements not yet but i mean i you know he's playing with guitar hero i think that's what the game is guitar hero the one with the little plastic yeah thing. yeah yeah so i mean he's getting better and better and the program that helps to send the pulses into his brain that help him move his hands uh they're getting better and better they're learning with him and the big thing here is that it really gives him hope. I mean, yes, right now, for him to move his hands as a quadriplegic, he has to be literally hooked in by a wire to this computer. Um, and so it's not like he's now a paraplegic and can live out his life in that way. However, it's still a huge step. I mean, this is a big, big step. Yeah, I mean, think if you could actually put a memory card or something into a slot in your head that actually fires synapses to the brain and tells your body to work. I mean, this company, what they're hoping for eventually is to create a wireless scenario. So anyone who has a quad, like who's a quadriplegic or a paraplegic um, can then, or someone who's a stroke victim, let's say, and they lose half their body, uh, the ability to move, they can then get these implants in their brains and wirelessly they're able to then regain motion in their bodies. That's which huge. is huge. I mean, of course it's huge. This is this is amazing. If you had to, even if you had to, you know, wear a fanny pack that had a battery pack all day, that would just change your life effortlessly. Yeah. I mean, I think if you told someone either you uh, don't get to walk or you can walk, but you have to wear this fanny pack, anyone's going to pick the fanny pack. Wear the fanny pack. Unless you really want to just be like pushed around in a wheelchair and I'm not judging. <laughs> but... What is exciting for me about this story is the future. Of course. You always have to think about how it benefits you. For sure. Except it won't benefit me because I'll be dead. But I am, and I'm pissed about that. If I was a baby <laughs> or not even born, I cannot wait for the singularity to come up. So you know what the singularity is, right, Jay? 
Yeah, but there's audience members who are not nearly as clever as I do. I think, I think just to be fair, you should tell the audience what a singularity is, so that, so that I mean, because I know, I you know what it is. Do you? I, I just suddenly you just sound you just sound like a little bit like uh, the audience. I don't know. (laughs) All right, so the singularity is this concept that in the future. Uh, there, we're going to live in an era where our intelligence is going to just grow leaps and bounds. The, the order to which kind of the way that our um, microprocessor chips have shrunk leaps and bounds while growing the amount that they're capable of doing. So it, it's this concept that eventually we'll basically hook all our brains into these computers wirelessly. It won't, it'll just happen. And so we will be able to have so much more processing power than we currently hold that we cannot even really truly conceptualize how smart we'll become when we become the singularity. Now, the reason why it's called a singularity is that because we're melding, um, computers and technology with our own biological processes we will all in some way share one mind but in other ways be complete individuals it's just that we can tap in to the knowledge of the internet wirelessly in our brains how cool is that well i mean i knew that so (laughs) so we're yeah yeah I, i mean it's amazing like imagine this device so this device i mean there's literally something in his head how cool would it be if I had something in my head and I was like, oh, you know, I feel like going rock climbing today. Let me download the rock climbing, you know, body mm. knowledge, like mem- muscle memories. Also like living matrix. Yeah. Living matrix. That's I the next it. future. And, and, and not only that, but then let's say you're on that cliff. And of course, because you're so cool, you don't even need to like tether yourself suddenly you're in a situation oh, oh, oh. so you basically <laughs> have downloaded the batman school of thought into your brain yeah so that safety no longer matters <laughs> no longer matters and then you're like at the edge of this cliff and you're at a moment where you're like uh-oh now i'm stuck then you can download like just the analytical knowledge and mathematical formulas that are available to you to be able to sort of like do a quick physics scan, kind of like you're the Terminator and you're able to scan the rock and be like, ah, yes, because of all of the world knowledge and the fact that my brain can just compute it in this one second, I know that I can put my hand on that part of the rock and get out and over this cliff. Otherwise, I would die. I don't know why it has to be a life-threatening situation, but it's just that cool. For everybody who's listening to Ivana right now, don't worry. When you download the Singularity rock climbing app into your head, (laughs) it will also download the safe way to rock climb as all good instruction videos do. I know, but I will be so badass in that alternate universe that I don't need any safety manual. There will be no app that you can or information you download that won't be like you need this harness to start. It's like wiki how. I know that they'll tell me that I need that harness, but I will know that I don't because I'll basically turn into a superhero. No, no. Don't you just want this future? You're going to die. Don't you want this future? What this would you is do? Not, this is not would we survive because the answer is no. Okay, okay. What would you do if you had the singularity at your disposal? I would think of a movie and then I'd know the movie. 
I'd just download the movie into my brain and then I'd have all the memories of the movie. What about like cool stuff that you could do with your brain or like that? What's not cool about that's not cool. I mean that that's cool, but I don't know. I think I'd rather watch the movie. Yeah, but sometimes you just don't have time, you know. <laughs> or read a book in like three seconds that yes think about all the knowledge that you would have i would definitely give you know like becky and i could go play tennis because she doesn't know how to play tennis so download the tennis app download tennis into her brain and then we're maybe at the same level Ooh, what happens if she downloads like advanced yeah then i i better download advanced i guess to <laughs> catch up or like advanced skiing or, you know, like all the sports that I want to play. I've already kind of, I know them, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe how to fight a bear. Do you think that the singularity, because right now it's a theory. Someone says that this is what's going to happen in the future. Do you think that uh, we're Ivana, going there? Ivana, I know this. You don't have to tell me about the singularity. I know all about the singularity. You know all about it. With your vast knowledge of the singularity, since you know everything there is to know about it. Of course. Is it hap- Is it going to happen or is it a fantasy? Oh, it's a fantasy. This is never happening. You don't think it's going to happen? I think it's definitely happening. It's a big brother scenario. It's too, it's too, you lose everything. You have tracking now in your brain. Like you just, it's too much control. I think it's going to be so far in the future and, and that... Uh, I don't I think we'll have dealt with those things or we think, w- it won't matter. Anymore. I think what's more important is what are you wearing in the future? Like what's the style of the future? What is the style of the future? Is it going to be white vinyl plastic? I definitely don't think so. Like, I think it's going to be all spandex all the time because that's the most comfortable. The most comfortable and most uh, the easiest. Yeah. Like I think we'll all wear like skin tight bodysuits that are awesome with With, like cool belts oh so that we kind of all look like superheroes all the time i kind of feel like that is the future from uh bill and ted's excellent adventure when they go except they all have overcoats on as well because i guess it's chilly in the future and they say be excellent to one another that's such a good phrase be excellent to one another party on (laughs) love it (laughs) Tech to kit. It's been a while since we've done this segment, and I am super happy that we're bringing it back because Jay has some pretty big news that he wants to share with the world. Oh, I may have already shared it in the last podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, share it again. <laughs> share it again. <laughs> um, I recently proposed to Becky. So you're engaged. And she said yes, and we are now engaged for a couple of, uh, a few weeks now. Yeah. Several even by the time this is airing. Yeah. So you are an engaged man. So all you ladies out there who was who were listening to Jay and hoping and praying that one day you would meet him and be able to take a picture of him from behind like that time, that episode that we talked about last time. You can still probably get away with taking a picture with me, uh, not seeing it, but know that I am off the market. You are off the market. You're off the supermarket. I'm off the supermarket. It feels great i feel comfortable and i happy wait i have a question for you does it feel any different yes actually yes really why what's so different it feels um more official more committed it feels like 
we've we've chosen each other's families along with chosen choosing just the other person um and it yeah it does it feels different to me for sure all right so i you now you're sitting here asking yourself okay we're talking about jay's engagement this has nothing to do with tech well actually it does so today what we're gonna ask is when big life events happen such as getting engaged when should you be posting these things on social media? What are the rules? It was a tricky thing because as soon as we, we, she said yes. And, you know, we celebrated and had some, some in a drink and like, we're just laughing and fun. We got on the phone with everybody or we tried to call as many people as we could because I knew Becky wanted to put it up on her Facebook. But it was an issue to put it up on Facebook without the appropriate people knowing firsthand. Absolutely. Because if they found out that way, we would feel guilty. Well, not only that, they would be angry with you. They, I'm sure people were angry with me. I'm sorry if you were angry. We tried to get to everybody. What did people do before? I guess we're not at an age where we know what it was like to be engaged before social media, right? So we are not. We're not. So I don't actually even know how people in the past found out about engagements and stuff. Who knows? But but in our day and age, the second you put it on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or it's whatever, it's official. It's official. And not only that, it's public knowledge. So if you find out something through Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, Snapchat I feel like is an exception because like if you're snapping directly to someone, that counts as a, a message. Oh, I could have done that all in a massive Snapchat. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You couldn't post no. it to your story time storyline though. You can't like just put it to your storyline. You can though snap a picture of Becky's ring and with like a selfie of you guys to people as long as they feel like it's a direct message just to them. That is okay. That's that's neat. I mean that's a that's a decent way. We did not do it that way. We we made sure. I think the most that important everyone people... got a phone call. Which, by the way, people don't answer their phones anymore. So that was tricky. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I knew it was coming. So I knew that I was going to be by my phone that day, and I was like waiting, because um, I knew I knew the day that it was happening, and I was like, oh my gosh, when's it going to happen? The whole day, I was like, did I miss a phone call? Did I miss a phone call? <laughs> Um, <laughs> but, but yes, I think the, the most, your top tier closest people, you got to call them. So parents, a hundred percent parents, siblings, siblings, best friends, best friends for sure. Even maybe second level best friends. Okay. But third level best friends, it's appropriate to then send out a text, like a mass text or like a, a Snapchat or a whatever. And then... Then you can put it on Facebook. Okay. All right. That's uh, that's good. I, I I did do something that was totally organizer J ridiculous. I made a list of all the people that I wanted to make sure we got to first on the phone before doing social media. And we checked them off as we went. I think that's really smart. And, and for anyone out there who's planning on getting engaged, do that. Because Jay's really good at life. 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> we also, I am also saving that for whenever anything else big happens. I, like I have it. that list and we could just go down that checklist again. Brilliant. And um, you, you had it on Wonderlist too, the app. I did. Yeah. I I'd did love that have app. it on Wonderlist. Um, so, but that's, that's, so that's the rules of engagement. What about other things in life? Because I'm you, sure like, they're, they're not all the house? same. I think that, I think you're totally allowed to just, you should probably call your parents. Okay. Uh, and then you're good for social media. Like your parents would be pissed if they found out you bought a house on social media. I think my, my mom would be pissed if I if she found out anything on social media that I didn't personally call her that day to tell her. Because <laughs> she's mental. <laughs> In fact, she's a person who, if you go to her place for dinner, has a basket for all cell phones. Yes, we have talked about this. We, we in fact, talked about it when we did another tech to kit section. Okay, what about, what about a baby? Oh, babies are like engagements. Same rules apply. A hundred percent. I completely agree. What if there is... And actually, babies are even different because... I think you're allowed to tell because like most people you don't tell till you're done your first trimester. Oh, right. So I think that you tell your parents first and then your siblings, I guess. And then maybe like best, best, best friends. People you know who can keep a secret. Yeah. And they have to be able to keep a secret. And I think because it's a baby, you have to talk amongst yourselves because at that point it's a secret still, right? So you have to be like, Oh, hi, partner who's pregnant or hi, partner who inseminated me with his sperm. Um, <laughs> would you be okay if I told this person? Hey, person I inseminated <laughs> with my sperm. That's ridiculous. Um, um, <laughs> what if there's a death in the family? Oh, that's a hard one. Because there's a timeline. There's usually a timeline for funeral announcements and, and make sure to come out. And also there is... You know, sometimes if it's it's a, a real tragic moment, you don't want to field all those questions. So you put it on Facebook so that people know here is a place to mourn. Kind of leave me alone. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess direct family, of course, that that's a phone call for I sure. guess anybody who it affects. Yeah, I think anyone who it directly affects. I think that's a good rule. You have to contact them directly. Uh, I I'm gonna, not going to lie to you. I don't have very much experience in this no, realm. No, neither do very I. Very luckily. Um, but I think you're right. I think anyone who it directly affects, you reach out to them on the phone or in person, and then you can do an announcement on social media. Graduation or got into college? Uh, just social media. Again, social though, media. I think you have to tell your parents first. Okay. All like right. I think that if your mom found out you got into college on Facebook, she'd be pissed. That's fair. But you don't have to call your friends or your siblings or whatever. You got married. Well, presumably because you're getting married. If it's not. Uh, I think if you, you eloped, I think you got to call your parents. Yeah. If you eloped, I think same rules as engagement. Apply. Yes. 100%. Call the people that you would call um, and then you can post it on social media. But if, but it's if a, everybody already is at the wedding. Make all a bets hashtag. Are off. Yeah. Like. Get a hashtag together. Totally. Make sure that everybody's using that hashtag so that you can actually collect other people's pictures of the event. So I think Damn that's right. like a, a free for all. Are you guys going to do that? Jay and Becky? Uh, we are now, I think. Well, I think that's a good are. idea. I like the hashtag. What do you like better? Uh, Becky and Jay or Jay and Becky? Um, 
I think it would have to be J J B Wedding 2018 or something. Ugh. J. Well, it can't be B J. Well, it can't be like why can't it just be your names? That's too long a hashtag. The other one is way longer. J B Wedding versus Becky J Wedding. No, just Becky and Jay. Just Becky and Jay. That's it. Becky oh, and Jay. Oh, well, I don't know. We'll have to come up with that. Or, or you know, it would be a good one. Or we'll um, just say Lasso the Moon. Jackie. Moving on. <laughs> what if you are in a new relationship and you're just updating that status? It's a new relationship. You now are like out of it's complicated or out of single and you're like i have a boyfriend i have real issues with facebook <gasps> statuses whoa i don't think that it's facebook's you know business to know whether or not you're single but if you're in college it's your only way of figuring out if that girl you like in the grocery store is single or you can talk to her yeah and she might not be single and then, but she'll let you know that. Like, if you're flirting with her, she'll let you know that or she'll let you know that it's okay. But like, if you're at, th- I mean, the relationship status. Also, dude, we've it's all college. Saw, we, like, we saw the social media. We saw the social network. We saw the movie. And you know it was, I saw a girl at a party. I went home, added her on Facebook. Look at that. She's single. Now it's go time. I totally, I disagree with all of that. I'm super private about that stuff on Facebook. And like, I don't know. Like, what happens when you break up? Then now everybody's going to know that you broke up. It's not their business. It's awkward. I asked Becky, I'm like, do you want to say you're engaged on Facebook? She was like, no. Yeah. And it's not like you guys are not going to be, I mean, eventually you're not going to be engaged because you'll be married. But like. But do you have on Facebook married to Blake King? Absolutely not. Like, if you added me on Facebook. single? No, it doesn't say anything. Yeah, neither does mine. I I just leave it blank. Um, it, like if you if you added me on Facebook, I don't know that you would know that I'm married to Blake. No, I probably wouldn't. I would think you're married to Marshall. <laughs> I love that dog. Why is got a dog a life event? Ugh, my life changed for <laughs> the better the second that Marshall came into it, and there. You can just post on Facebook right away and then put all the pictures of the adorable little puppy and everybody can be like, oh, I love your puppy. They're so cute. It's the best. Even as a person, I want to know when you get a puppy. You know what I mean? If Jay, if you and Becky, I want to see a flooded news feed of puppy adorableness. Jay, I think you should get a dog. Look, it's been two years of you saying you should get married. I'm going to get married. Okay. That happened. Calm down. Not getting a dog. I just did the last thing you asked me to do for two years. Well, good. So I have to start moving on to the next one. Otherwise, there's going to be a problem. So, I mean, okay, let me just. Your dog is up my ass right now. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, movie time. Um, I can't believe that just happened. Your dog like threw a ball behind my back and then jumped into my ass, basically. Like it was yeah, just head first, right was, in there. In yeah. like I think if she could have gone in between the cheeks, she would have Clearly that segment was over when that happened because we had to take the dog and get her out of the room. <laughs> yeah, she's she's upstairs, locked away. 
Like <sighs> the poor sad soul that she is. Like the sad souls who frequented 1985's <laughs> Malibu Express. You know, we asked you to watch. I hope you enjoyed this movie. I have, I have, full disclosure, watched pornography in the past. <gasps> <gasps> Shocking, and and I, I'm a really big fan of storyline porn. Uh, not because. It, I, it's not like porn for me. I'm not sitting there being like, ooh, this is making me sexy. It's more like, ha, 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 this is so ridiculous. Look at the horrible acting and the awful camera work and all that stuff. And, and sometimes I watch these pornographic movies and I think to myself, wouldn't it be nice if there was a porn that wasn't a porn? And now I know that that exists. exists. And it's totally called exists. Malibu Express. <laughs> I think this m this movie is so ridiculous that you just have to sit there, open a case of beer with some buds, and s just enjoy. Yeah, I would say that the biggest mistake I made is that I watched this movie A Sober and B by myself. This is a movie Big mistake. you this want to watch with buddies. Can we talk about Cody's superpower? Yes, uh, or super curses, you like to call it. I think it's a curse. Okay, so Cody, you got James Bond, who's a real la ladies' man. Cody can't turn it off. Cody's our star. He walks into a room, and a woman just comes over, takes off her top. It is go time. This man can't do anything without attracting the attention of some big-breasted lady who wants to take her shirt off and come... Even if he's just like making breakfast in the morning, two solid ladies show up and it is on. Yeah. And I would agree that it was a curse if he wasn't such a man slut. Like he for sure. There's so many things. There's this point at which where he's like going to work with this lady. I don't even know why he's really working with this lady, but he is. And he just shows up to her house with a dress. And I'm like, oh, they must be going somewhere undercover. No, no, they're not. He just brought her a dress for her to put it on for them to have sex. And that's it. That was the entire point of that dress. Yeah, it's very shocking. Shocking. He's and then he has this like voiceover that's like, I love it when we do pleasure before business. <laughs> and if it wasn't for the voiceovers, amazing. Because the voiceover makes zero sense. Yeah, like the voiceover, I, I got this impression like in some ways this movie was ahead of its time for uh, today's reality TV show inspired scripted stuff. Yeah, like, like his you could just picture him talking to a camera and then it's like, so I went to the store and then they show you him in the store. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that that is what these voiceovers... So in some ways... When I saw the voiceovers, I was like, oh, this is actually kind of smart, but it doesn't work well as a voiceover. It does work well as pretend reality television. Totally, because he narrates exactly what he's doing at any given time. I think if we if we redid like if I took this movie and directed it and I would do it in reality TV show t type style change a few things maybe make the plot make sense a little bit more um do not touch this plot this plot is gold and but i would otherwise keep the same craziness um and i think it'd actually become a, a cult classic where at this moment i don't think this is a cult classic like nobody's it's not hard to get to hawaii 
No, it is not. But this is what came before Hard Ticket to Hawaii. If you haven't seen Hard Ticket to Hawaii, run out. Check it out. It's so great. Here, I'm going to try to give you a synopsis of Malibu Express. Enter Cody, the Texas guy who's living in Malibu on a boat. Cody is a private investigator, and he's been hired because something's not quite right at the Countessa Luciana's place. So he goes over to investigate, but he ends up having sex with Luciana. But then Luciana's manservant, butler, whatever the hell her he is, he ends up getting murdered. So there's actually something to follow in this. But all the while, while this is going on, there is a IBM salesman selling secrets to the Russians. Um... This is where I say the plot goes totally off the rails. Why is that even in this movie? It doesn't need to exist. Cody is now not only solving one, but solving a second private investigation thing here. But the problem with Cody is that, one, every woman in the film wants to bang him, so he gets no work done. He just gets to banging. And two, he's really lousy as a private investigator. Like... He can't shoot straight. He, the only thing he does really well is follow. Um, is have sex. He he has sex really well, but he also follows people pretty well. Like nobody nobody caught him following them. Yeah, and he's like not. He's a fast driver. Great driver. If he has a fast car. Ooh. Great line in the movie. He goes up to, <laughs> he's in the middle of the desert. He doesn't have a car and he walks up to a car dealership, which by the way is in the middle of the desert. Why? Yeah. That, that you, if you're asking for I don't this understand. movie to make sense, it but just does There's a car it. dealership in the middle of the desert. So they decide to ask the owner who of course is a lady, they being Cody and Cody all by himself. Give me the fastest thing on the lot. Honey. I am the fastest thing on the lot. Breasts come out. Yeah, that was the craziest. Like, it literally, she was just like, breasts. The amount of times, though, this movie, you were just like, breasts. It got to the point that... Reveals them. Towards the end, you're like, not even impressed by it anymore. You're just like, yeah, 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 we're going to see boobs. Move on. Let's move on. Nobody cares any longer. The shock value is over. You're looking at me like, no, we care. It matters every time. I have to ask you this, okay, because... Yeah, there were a lot of breasts in the film, but you also got a lot of really ripped half-naked men as well and some asses on men. Like, did you not feel like they were both exploited, like men and women in this film? Um, It just, you know what? It felt like a 1985, like, sexploitation film, but I didn't really feel like it was quite the same with the guys and the girls. But at the same time... I, I wasn't broken up about it. I mean, there was one character in the film who ends up getting murdered who kind of got rapey in a shower scene. That was the most. Yeah, that was, that was so weird. Well, that was a full on. It was like the weirdest scene ever because it starts out as full on rape. Like it's a girl showering and this weird and she's like, what man. are you doing? No, don't kiss me. No. And, and then, then he kisses her. And then immediately she's like, oh, I she's was turned kissed, on by it. And, and now I'm really time. into it. Yeah. So once the sex starts, I guess by that point, it's no longer rape. But it definitely was at first. And I, I guess that's the thing, though, because at some point she became consenting 
it was not if if it had all been not consenting that scene it would have been unwatchable my god if that scene showed up in a movie today people would lose their minds this is such a 1985 movie though i mean everything about it is so back in the day the it was a different time uh, women had different roles back then but they were like it's this weird movie where in some ways uh feminism like you know women's suffrage already happened all these things like 85 women really were like we're equals and we're going to take back our sexuality and, and it had that element of it to this movie but at the same time it's because still the women were the only competent people in this film but it still felt to me watching it today through the lens of 2016 that they were being demeaned and the guys too i mean to be honest i don't know that i would think any nobody in this movie came out like looking like a peach oh i'll agree with that all 100 percent. i will agree with that till the day i die nobody in this film is a good person or wins no and i will say that although certain things in the movie are like whoa that is not okay uh and you realize how far we've come in the last oh my gosh like 30 years oh my gosh so much um so we've we've come a long way we're we're not like the same that we were back then but i wasn't offended by the movie because i guess it was the same thing every time that something offensive happened i was like thank goodness we've come a long way what did you think of cody's mustache I did love his mustache. He had a very nice mustache. He was packing heat from Texas to Malibu Beach. It was a blonde Tom Selleck. Like, yes. I can't... That is that is rare. Like, to see a blonde Tom Selleck-esque mustache. I have a thing for mustaches. I don't know why. Guys, if you're listening to this and you have a signal right now, keep listening. But I want you to just type into your browser on your cell phone, Malibu Express... Take a look at the beauty of this crazy poster art. Um, first of all, Cody is not that ripped. Like, no, he is not that ripped. But the poster art, he sure is. <laughs> he basically looks like an action hero. He is no action hero. No, not the at all. The only action he's getting is taking off his pants. Yeah. And uh, and but those ladies loving him in that in that photo, that's that's fairly accurate. Yeah, they are. They're totally that's what they look like in the movie. I love this movie poster so much. It's like we've got a <laughs> we've got a race car in the top right corner, but there's also a helicopter. And then down here you have two people running and two people running from the people that are running. Yeah, I it actually is amazing. Looking at this poster, I really want to throw uh like sexploitation themed party like a, a costume party where the point is sexploitation action like so like if you came to this movie jay i would hope that you would find a way to grow out a mustache i'd, I'd grow one out don't worry and and show up wearing like a pair a of really boot -cut jeans. really really Big belt buckle and nothing else. Yeah, like jeans that are boot cut with like cowboy boots, a big belt buckle. Maybe if you really didn't feel like being completely topless, an open vest. Sure. But no shirt under that. Can't. And, and for me, I would wear something like either just a bikini. Or something that could at any point fall off. 
Yeah. Or like weirdly band-aid shaped dresses like the ones in this movie. <laughs> like there were like under boob cleavage, but the top of the boob is totally covered up. Your stomach is open and your under boob is like spread farther apart from one the, the two boobs, but like showing. It was super weird. Unflattering. Boys, boys watch this movie. It's fantastic. <laughs> It's it's awesome. So anyway, we watched Malibu Express. I had it's not good, but it's, it's not fun. a good movie. But it's a it's a fun ride. It's really fun. I do recommend it. I I don't think that it's I, it's 1985, and you're gonna find some things offensive, but it's not offensive. Yeah. and actually, it's actually very pro gay. I was just about to say we can't talk about this movie without mentioning the fact that. Cody was pretty cool with the concept of a trans dude. This film was totally cool with the with the trans guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, there was a character. I, I would. I don't even Stewart. know if he's really trans. He's more like a cross dresser. Cross dresser. Yeah, he and he's gay. Yeah, he's a gay man who likes to cross dress. Maybe, maybe, and he would have if he had grown up today. He would want to be trans and become a woman. But in the in the context of this film and this timeline. He's a cross-dresser. He enjoys dressing like a woman. He looks really good. He looks good as a woman. And and Cody, when he sees him, is very accepting of it. And that, I think, was actually the one part of the movie that I was like, oh, that's so progressive. It's redeeming, almost. Yeah, I, I, ha I actually smiled a little, and I was like, I like this little angle that's happening. And But then let's not get too carried away because there's also a really awkward um anti-gay anti rape joke, joke yeah. like where these two women are like chatting at a party and they're like oh my friend was raped by two gay men and the other one's like what and they're like one to held her down the other did her hair and like just off offside, offside. so offside and it feels offside in fact i had to pause that part rewind that part call becky into the room and say watch this and she was like what the hell are you watching yeah <laughs> so anyway malibu express fun for the whole well no not the whole family but fun for at least the adults in the family who yeah. just want to watch something silly uh next week we go back to the land television very excited because this has been on my to watch list but i just haven't gotten around to it we're gonna be watching Supergirl. Oh, Supergirl. So uh, please watch the pilot Super with us. Supergirl. Or if you don't, if you remember it and you already watched the show, you don't have to rewatch it, but we'll be chatting about it and there will be spoilers. Spoilers to the pilot. What? All right. Thank you so much for listening. That's all we've got for today. Uh, please be sure to join us again next week. If you want to support us, we'd really appreciate it. You could hop on iTunes right now. Give us a quick rating, a review that helps grow the show. Uh, also, if you want to reach out and tell us anything that might be on your mind, you can find us at friendselephants.com. On Facebook at Friends Elephants. Uh, you can email us friendswithelephants at mail.com. Or always catch us on Twitter. I'm at Jester J. I'm at It's Ivana. And Ivana, you have been tearing up this whole time. Are you okay? I'm allergic to something down here in this you basement. Live, you live not in, in this house. But not in this basement. It's a very lovely basement. But something in here is, I feel like my eye is swelling shut. Are it's you a sure weird. your dog just didn't get you somewhere else? <laughs> You think it was something that, you know, maybe she just really wanted extra attention 
and she like just came and like licked your eyeball and I think I would know if she had licked my eyeball. And I you know what? I just want to say I just want to say I'm not allergic to my dog. Defend I'm very allergic dog. to many many things in this world. I'm an allergy prone human. I'm not allergic to her. I refuse to get rid of her. People should stop insinuating this. We will all stop when she stops humping my leg. <laughs> Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back next Monday with an all new episode. So till next time. Nerd on, Ella friends. (laughs) 